This episode of the Model 3 Owners Club podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage on your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit our website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Well, hello, everyone. It's time again for the Model 3 Owners Club podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Page. Thanks for joining us. It is 2019. We have so much to talk about. Uh, we took a little time off, of course, get some R&R in and uh, do some little vacation stuff. But, you know, feeling pretty strong. And uh, obviously, we have some Tesla news to talk about. So we're going to dive in. Before I do that, I want to bring on our usual cadre of guests. And joining us today is none other than the Earl of Front Puppy himself, Earl Banning. Earl... Thanks for joining us on the show again. We had you last year. We had such a good time. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. You know, it was nice to be a special guest last year. I hope nobody gets tired of me. I've been on every show this year. <laughs> Can't believe it. Well, it's it's you know, <laughs> people like your uh, like your stuff. I mean, the whole front puck thing, and uh, you know, you certainly like to go toe to toe with a lot of the trolls and the oh. Tesla shorts, which is always a fun conversation to have. So, yes, thanks for joining us on the show. And uh, as usual, we also have Mr. Eric Camacho. Eric, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, gentlemen. Good afternoon and good evening. Thanks for joining us. I can't wait to get down to Florida. We'll, uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. And as Top usual, yes. And uh, as usual, we also have uh, Ian Pavelko joining us. Ian, how are you doing in Montreal? I'm doing very fine. Thank you very much. Bonsoir tout le monde. Yes. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, we have so many questions. Like I put out a tweet uh, earlier today so to much. ask for people um, getting us some questions in, and we have so many. Um, I probably on account because we haven't uh, done a podcast now for a week and a bit, so we figured we'd get into that. But that'll be a little bit later in the show. But we do have some Tesla news to get into. So the first thing on the list here is uh, Tesla on uh, December twenty eighth appointed two new board members, Larry Ellison and Kathleen Wilson Thompson. Let me. Um, let me bring up their uh, their webpage here on this uh, announcement. Here we go. Whoop. There we go. Now, for those of you who don't know, Larry Ellison is the founder and the CEO of Oracle, the largest database manufacturer developer in the world. He is a multi-billionaire. He was on Apple's board of directors for many, many years. This guy is no dummy. Seeing him on the Tesla board makes me super happy because this guy doesn't suffer fools. He will make sure that Elon is in check <laughs> and everybody else and make sure that Tesla fulfills on their mission. Um, Kathleen, on the other hand, she comes from Kellogg. She spent uh, 17 years at Kellogg. She's now serving as uh, executive vice president and uh, global chief human resources officer of Walgreens, uh, which is, of course, the, lar the uh, U.S.'s largest pharmacy and health uh, wellness company. Uh, they have over 350,000 employees. Holy mackerel. Mm. That's huge. Wow. Anyways, uh, so she has uh, 10 years of board experience serving on different public boards and two U.S.-based manufacturing companies. So welcome to both of them on the board. I mean, uh, these are some pretty good appointments as far as Tesla's concerned. Um, any thoughts on these two? I mean, Larry's a guy I've been following for years. Uh, he's quite the interesting character. Yeah. Well, both definitely powerhouses, as you point out. I mean, Larry's the man. I mean, this guy comes with huge cred. Uh, Kathleen, I'm, I'm less familiar with, but her resume certainly speaks volumes. So I, I have to think they're both solid additions. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say. It does say in the press release, Tesla's, um, or Tesla, Larry's a big believer in Tesla, of course, no, no doubt. He purchased 3 million shares earlier this year. So he's putting his money where his mouth is, of course. Um, so when you put that kind exactly. of money 
into your portfolio, you have a vested interest in making sure they succeed. So it's good to see that. I mean, you know, it's one thing to be awarded shares, but if you buy your own, you know, something good to be said about that. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, let's see here. The next thing we're going to talk about. So congratulations to them. We'll move on to the next little bit here. Uh, Tesla, <laughs> they have extended the referral program. Now, we've made some noise about this for some time on the podcast about the possibility of ending the uh, referral program because uh, as you probably recall back in December they extended it until the 17th 17th came and went they extended it to the 31st that came and went and they've extended it yet again so the bottom line is uh, the referral program is working it is uh, pulling a lot of demand levers um, you know we'll get into some more of the delivery and uh, numbers that Tesla released a couple days ago of course but it's certainly working so um, and they haven't really changed anything uh, as far as the awards are really concerned. As far as I can tell, it seems to be the same thing. So apparently they're going to be giving away some more roadsters. So, <laughs> <laughs> woohoo! Yeah, yeah. Well, everybody's on board with that, right, Earl? <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Yeah, anytime anybody tweets anything about ending the program, I re report those tweets as offensive. So hopefully that's working. <laughs> but I think this is a good deal for Tesla. If you look at other car companies and what they spend on. Um, advertising and you couldn't buy uh, the kind of media that they get and I hopefully it's working and helping them out um, obviously it needs to change at some point but I'm, I'm glad it's still here yeah I agree 100% it, it does work um, the, the biggest problem I have with it is that there's a certain amount of abuse in the program and I've certainly seen it on the forum <clears throat> in some respects we have some some party members that will go uh, unnamed um, that are trying to game the system a little bit. And that's kind of against the, the spirit of the, of the program. I mean, the, the idea is to reward the people that are movers and shakers, people who are actually doing the sales out there. Um, you know, and the, the problem, of course, a lot of the times online and stuff is people are throwing out the referral codes and they're not willing to do any of the work. They just want the prizes at the end of the day. So it's, it's a difficult situation. But at the end of the day, it does work. Um, I was talking to um, uh, Rafael Santini, who goes by Teslatino, uh, a little earlier today, and uh, he went out and helped out um, at uh, the, I think it's the Delray, is that right? Uh, West Palm Beach. West Palm Beach, sorry. Um, and he said that he was very surprised at how many people that he encountered helping out with the deliveries and just answering questions there that people didn't know about the referral program. So as far as I'm concerned, I mean, if you're meeting somebody and they don't know about the referral program, why would you leave the six months or the nine months, depending on, uh, on how you look at it, uh, a free supercharging on the table? I mean, it's just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's a nice perk. Yeah, I agree with that. I also wonder, I don't know if there's any way to figure this out, but I wonder what the percentage is of people who use a referral code when they buy. I bet it's lower than you'd think. I would believe so too. I mean, Tesla is the only one that really has those kind of numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, but anecdotally, I mean, look, if you're an owner, you already know about it, obviously. Um, right. If you follow Tesla very closely, you're on social media, you know about it. But let's face it, uh, I know a lot of people that are not on social media, they're not on Facebook, they're not anywhere else. They just ordered a car in line, they go and show up at the car, and uh, they didn't even know about it. So it seems to work for, uh, because it's an advertising methodology or a reward program that really works only online, um, it stands to reason that if you didn't know about it, well, of course, you're not going to take advantage of it, so... The bottom line is that if you haven't bought a Model 3 or anything like that, don't leave that money on the table. Use one of the referral codes. I'll put all of our referral codes down in the video description. Don't leave that on the table. It doesn't matter who's to use. Just use one for crying out loud. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be um, – I think the program hopefully will continue for, for quite some time. At some point, they're going to have to adjust the prizes. 
uh, because they can't keep giving away all kinds of stuff forever. Elon even said it uh, before that, you know, it's not sustainable long term. Now, what he means by sustainable, I, I don't really know, but um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, let's see here. The next a little bit, getting off the referral program. Uh, let's see here. Tesla, the federal tax credit, of course, January 1st came and went. And that means that the federal tax credit allowance in the U.S. has now been cut in half. So it is now $3,750. It used to be $7,500. Um, Tesla did say that uh, for those that would uh, that could not get delivery of the cars guaranteed by the end of the year, Tesla would cover the difference for a little while. I don't know how they're going to um, enforce that or how they're going to do that. Um, but it also falls into the second little bit here because Tesla also dropped the price of all Teslas, uh, $2,000 in the U.S. across the board as a way to compensate for this loss for some of the people. So I think that's a nice gesture on Tesla's part. And um, later on, we're going to answer some questions as how it affects other countries, because obviously this is a question that's been popping up all over social media as far as uh, how that affects people. Um, you guys have any thoughts about uh, the federal tax credit situation? I know, Eric, you usually have um, quite a bit to say about the federal tax credit situation. <laughs> <laughs> do Do I ever? No, I, I, you know, we've been sorting tooting this horn for some time now about the uh, the tax credit in terms of the dates and what the values are going to be. Um, you know, if you live here in the U.S. or at least follow what's happening here in the U.S., uh, you know, right now, uh, as far as when we're recording this episode, the uh, U.S. government is partially shut down. Uh, so I shared an article on my Twitter feed yesterday uh, from Vox Media regarding um, how it's going to impact um, those credits coming into owners of electric vehicles. Uh, from 2018. So um, we're being mindful of that. So uh, that's one story we're tracking. But again, uh, if you are looking to take delivery of your vehicle uh, in this first six months of the year, so between now and June 30th, uh, then you're going to be getting uh, eligibility for up to $3,750 for your federal tax credit, which again would get cut in half. Now, here's the interesting part of this. Uh, As of today, here in the U.S., we now have a new Congress. Uh, the House of Representatives and new senators were all sworn in today. We have largely a Democratic House of Representatives. So are there going to be new uh, agendas set forward? Are we going to see changes to the program? Are they going to uh, adjust it so that the 200,000 cars delivered cap is basically eradicated so that way the re- the credit incentives go up again? Um, are they going to have a whole new program? Are they going to terminate the one we have currently? That's to be seen down the line. So right now we know what the program is, but this all could change uh, later this year. So we're uh, we're going to keep an eye on that. And of course, once we know something, we'll be sure to share it with you. Yeah, it's interesting too, because we were just seeing some reports, of course, that it looks like, and I don't think it has been officially announced, but it looks like GM has actually hit their cap as well. So they their did. phase out, yeah. So their phase yep. out is supposed to begin in approximately six months time. So that puts them at about April, I believe. Or no, not well, April. They, not April. It, it, um, said, it said that they now. hit it. Well, they said that they hit it reportedly in Q4. So if they hit it in Q4, then you essentially have the end of that quarter and the next quarter. So it would actually be the end of March, not the end of June. Okay, so I stand corrected. Yeah. Um, Does anybody have uh, information regarding Nissan? Like Nissan's been selling the Leaf for a number of years now. Have they hit their cap? Has theirs expired? I don't think they have. Hmm. I've got to think it's coming soon, though, because the new Leaf is selling a gangbuster. Yeah, so. yeah. So there'll mm-hmm. be another one affected. It's important to remember that it's not uh, it's not a global number. It's not global sales. It's just what you sell in the U.S. So it affects every mm-hmm. manufacturer individually because every car manufacturer that sells cars in the U.S. has a 200,000 uh, vehicle sale cap in the U.S. 
uh, for electrified vehicles that they have to hit. So the other manufacturers, if they sell something, I mean, they still have lots of playing room because they're honestly, and you know, at the end of the day, they're not a very big player uh, because they're mostly selling uh, compliance cars. So they're not doing Tesla right. type numbers and stuff. So. Yeah, so this new changes that ways. So uh, again, if you're in the market, um, hop in because uh, you can still get a federal tax credit until uh, um, I think it's July 1st, at which point it will have again. And uh, you get another six months and at the end of 2019, well, it's uh, it's bye bye, which is also important to mention. Um, you know, Tesla has always advertised and this is something that I see a lot on social media because people are, are saying, um, you know, where's the federal tax credit for the $35,000 car? And it, it's very important to remember that Tesla has never, ever advertised the Model 3 as anything but $35,000. They've never said it's $35,000 after federal tax credit or it's $27,50 after federal tax credit. It's always been $35,000. And I think a lot of that was they knew that eventually they would get to that point where they couldn't, um, you know, people wouldn't qualify for the tax credit anymore. So they wanted to be very careful about how they positioned that car's uh, base price. Right now, yeah, the pricing is a little disingenuous, but it's not going to last for too much longer. Basically, till the end of the year, then all of those artificial uh, federal tax credit savings that uh, Tesla pu uh, publishes on their U.S. website will go away. They may still put, you know, the the you know, the, uh, the artificial gas. Well, they're not artificial; they are real gas savings. But uh, always pay attention to that price at the end of the day because uh, you're not paying that. All right, moving on. Let's see here. Well, let's talk about the, the uh, Tesla just uh, announced their uh, fourth quarter 2018 production and delivery numbers. So, uh, Eric, I want you to uh, get in here and just uh, give us some of the salient points here so everybody knows exactly how Tesla pulled this off. Sure. All right. So uh, Q4 was really Tesla's greatest quarter to date uh, for both production and delivery numbers uh, compared to Q3 of 2018. Uh, Tesla increased their output by roughly 8% in both categories. Uh, so as it relates to production vehicles, they produce a total of 86,555 vehicles between Model S, X and Model 3. Uh, again, they produced 8% uh, more than Q3. Uh, for Model 3 of that figure, there was about 61,390 four and 25,161 Model S and X vehicles combined. Uh, as far as deliveries, those numbers tend to be higher because as we know, a lot of vehicles are sitting in uh, distribution centers, they're at uh, service centers or even in showrooms. So for uh, the quarter four of last year, there were 90,700 vehicles delivered in total. Uh, again, that is 8% more than Q3. There were 63,150 of those cars were Model 3s, which is a 13% growth uh, over its previous quarter. And there were 13,500 Model Ss and 14,050 Model Xs delivered over that time span. So a very successful quarter. We should hopefully hear uh, in the next earnings call uh, how those figures translate into the company's success uh, for the total of, of the year. But to add to that, uh, if you ever go to Tesla's uh, investors website, you'll find there was a whole document produced uh, relative to where we got these figures. And they sort of added this information. So in total for 2018, Tesla delivered a total of 245,240 vehicles. 145,846 were Model 3, which made it the fourth highest selling vehicle in the U.S. in 2018. And there were 99,394 Model S and Xs combined. Now, to put things in perspective, that figure of 245,240 cars in 2018 is almost all of Tesla's entire deliveries since their inception. That's crazy. 
<laughs> which crazy. is incredible. <laughs> um, now, their, Q, their Q4 deliveries uh, for Model 3 were limited to mid and higher range variants, which, of course, we know, uh, cash loan transactions, and North America customers only. More than three quarters of Model 3 orders in quarter four came from new customers, not reservation holders. Wow. Which is a phenomenal, phenomenal figure when you, you think about it. You know it. what that and means? That, that, I, I don't mean to interject here, but you know, sure. the way I read this is that there's a heck of a lot of people that are still waiting for the standard range car. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. There's oh, your yeah. demand problem right there. <laughs> and this also could also maybe, I mean, we're certainly theorizing here, but this could also explain why the um, the referral program keeps getting extended. Because a lot of people who are buying the car may just be buying the car without actually having a referral code. So Tesla feels like, well, right now we're not really losing much in the program. There's no harm in continuing it to try to encourage those to, uh, to buy sooner. Um, so continuing on with the document. Uh, there was about 1,010 Model 3 vehicles and just shy of 1,900 Model S and X vehicles that were in transit at the end of Q4 that will be delivered in the start of this quarter here in 2019. So we'll see those figures uh, factored into the end of quarter one uh, when all is said and done. The inventory levels continue to be the smallest in the automotive industry, and Tesla was able to reduce vehicles in transit to customers by significantly improving their logistics system in North America. So we talked about this in one of our podcasts late last year where they reportedly bought some trucks they were trying to get their delivery systems set up so they can deliver vehicles much faster they were even implementing at the very end of december sort of like a five minute system where you could walk into a showroom essentially say you're going to buy the car and within minutes get approved get the paper signed and then you're basically driving the car away so that was a, a good thing to see and we saw a really now, big increase of registrations and discussions on the forum <laughs> because these people went home and said how do I use this now? <laughs> <laughs> what do I do? What do I what do? What do we do? Uh, what happened to my range? Someone, if only there was someone we knew that made tutorial videos on YouTube. Mm, yeah, mm. somebody should get on that. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> we I, need, I need to keep retweeting right. that. Right. And uh, of course, if you guys haven't been tracking, uh, Tesla, as a result of these uh, figures, had also reduced the price of their vehicles across their entire fleet, every trim, every model, by $2,000 to help uh, offset the cost difference in the federal tax credit. Uh, so that's a great thing to say that they're doing. Of course, the stock took a dip a bit uh, with that number. We don't know why, but um, we know Earl can certainly take care of those folks who sort of question what the stock <laughs> is doing. <laughs> Absolutely. It was pretty astounding to see those numbers and you'd be really excited, but then see the media reaction and the online reaction to it. And course it's gloom and doom tesla's closing this is it now they're discounting the cars but i just think it's all noise it's gonna it's gonna pick right back yeah. up again um i believe am i correct didn't this happen after the q3 numbers came out too between that time and when they actually re released their um it always happens. Uh, Tesla stock always takes a dip whenever they um you know it's almost like clockwork uh their yeah. stock will always dip and then it generally recovers once you know cooler heads prevail. It's just just the way the market tends to react on this thing. I do want to mention one thing though, um, based on these numbers, of course, uh, specifically production. You know, when they said it's an eight percent increase, you know, based on their production ramp that's been happening over the course of 2018, I think we're starting to see the tail end of that S curve that that Elon's been talking about. You know, mm -hmm. where it kind of starts really slow, then it really takes off, then it starts slowing off again. If we're seeing an 8% increase over Q3 in terms of vehicle production, of course, don't forget, Model S and X are at capacity. They can't really make more than, 
you know, 25,000 cars because that car's production facility is really geared to 100,000 cars a year, right? So 25,000 a quarter. Right. So all of that growth really came from, really, has, has been Model 3. So mm -hmm. based on, you know, on these numbers, uh, I think, you know, until we see any other changes or extra production being added to the, the car, I think we're seeing this, you know, this tail off of some of the production stuff. We'll know more next quarter uh, when we see production numbers to see if they've actually increased. If we see a slightly yeah. number or it stays about the same, then we know that they're pretty much at capacity um, as far as that's concerned. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about some more stuff, of course, because one of the other things that's, that's starting to occur, of course, is, uh, you know, Tesla's starting to build production cars, as they said they would in January for uh, for European delivery. So uh, Model 3 VINs, of course, is a, uh, a Twitter account that you can follow to see the registrations. And uh, so far, it looks like they've uh, registered somewhere around 2,000 cars for European, uh, for the European market. So uh, that's starting to happen. So they're hoping to start delivering cars. I think, what did they say about three, th was it, how many How many cars? 3,000 cars a week? Yeah. Yeah, something like 3,000 cars a week um, starting in late February, so early yeah. March for the European market because, you know, transit times take longer because they got to put them on boats and stuff. I wouldn't so, be surprised if you see a little downtime in January adding some more capability because if they're going to do that, if they're going to start sending cars over to Europe and then keep up with the U.S. demand. I, I think they're going to have to do a little more than what they're doing now. Yeah, yeah. We could probably see some retooling or maybe a little downtime or something like mm -hmm. that. But uh, yeah, we're starting to see that ramp, which also coincides because we know that Tesla makes cars in batches, right? So they'll do color batches. They will do configuration batches. They'll do one or two weeks worth of European production, usually towards the end of a quarter or the start of a quarter, and then going to the European, uh, North American one. So now that most of this federal tax credit push has been happening in the U.S., don't be surprised if some of you are ordering cars or whatever, you see your delivery times now go to, say, 20 to 30 days instead of the usual, you know, half a dozen days or something like that, because they're really mm -hmm. focused on on the European market. I think that was prob probably even one question that came up a little bit later. Um, so we just want to make sure that people are aware here that if, if you're North American, you're waiting for a Model 3, especially if you order right now, don't don't expect it to see it for a little while. I mean, I could be wrong, but I've seen Tesla do this before where they do things in batches. So, um, Yeah, any other comments? What else did they say here? Uh, you want to know my favorite statistic on all this? Please do. Which is that they are now the number one selling premium brand in the U.S. Mm. Mm -hmm. They've outsold BMW, they've outsold Mercedes, Audi, you name it. And, of course, uh, I think Eric mentioned that they hit number four in the passenger car. So if any type of passenger car sold in the U.S., mm -hmm. Model 3 was number four, uh, which is an accomplishment in and of itself. And then if you went by dollar volume sold, it is the number one selling passenger car in the U.S., which is an astonishing statistic. That's got to drive the bears nuts. <laughs> <laughs> now, what what also yeah. intrigues me is that that is with the mid-range and long-range models available. Yeah. What will happen this year <laughs> as we start seeing the standard range model come out right. in, the, in the U.S.? I mean, it's it's just we're, we're seeing baffling numbers that just make you go, holy cow, that is incredible figures to think about. But we don't even have the $35,000 car even being produced nope. yet. So when that comes to market, oh my God, we might see the most astronomical numbers of any auto manufacturer in a single year in U.S. history later this year when that's, all is said and done. That's something yeah. that, the, that the Twitter trolls and, and the shorts uh, don't seem to understand that metric. They ignore the European market. They ignore the Chinese market. And they just see Tesla as not being able to produce a $35,000 car. It's almost like Tesla has a plan. <laughs> almost. <laughs> almost. Almost. 
I, like think don't really, <laughs> I think it's also really interesting too that um, you know you think about Tesla from where it came from and where it started and that by you know 2018 uh, 2019 it, you don't even talk about it as an EV you're just talking about it competing against these other cars that sell like crazy it's it's unbelievable yeah, yeah that's, that's even... a fantastic point uh, Earl is that we're not we're, we're not really looking at it as a competitor for other EVs and uh, I think that goes to prove is that what's happening here is it's not a fight amongst the EVs. It's it's the EVs are taking over the ice market. That's clearly what's going yeah. on here. As we see more and more manufacturers get on board with serious offerings, that's exactly what's going to continue to happen. Yeah, I think people are starting to wise up finally. I mean, it's going to still, still take a lot of time for the other guys because, you know, the supercharger market is or the supercharger network is very much an ace in, in, in Tesla's pocket, of course. But it doesn't mean that you can't, you know do long distance travel on the other cars it's just uh yeah. i think the, the the next major market manufacturer we're really going to see is, is is volkswagen later later this year i mean mm -hmm. they have the e-tron coming out they have the Taycan coming later this year those are the first steps on the high-end market and then sometime next year when we start seeing the volkswagen you know the, the new id platform they're going to start making some waves and stuff but it's just like everything else you you know there are certain manufacturers that start at the low end other ones are starting the, uh, at the high end there's a little bit in the mid-range there's not much else um i know here in canada the uh, Hyundai Kona Nero. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I forget yeah. which one is which, but yeah, key, the key, key is the Nero. Yeah, and the, and uh, the Hyundai Kona. is the Kona. Uh, those things, uh, you can't get them. They're backward like crazy. They've been selling out mm -hmm. left, right, and center. Uh, there has been some issues, of course, with some people ordering and stuff, and you know, and Hyundai's dropping the ball as far as communication is concerned. Where we heard that before. Um, but uh, those are short-term problems, of course, as as we go. But that that car has uh, has been getting rave reviews everywhere. So I'm looking forward to be able to test one of those out. So if you're not into Tesla, there are other options out there, of course, and you can still get a federal and, tax credit for those. And not, I was gonna say, not to understate this, but even Norway, their numbers for electric vehicle sales is through the roof. Oh, I yeah. mean, almost all almost all the cars that they're selling in Norway now are all electric vehicles. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, that's that's a partnership between the government and their incentives between uh, you know providing charging stations all throughout the country. I mean, there's a lot of things that certainly went to helping that figure, but I mean, we're, we're, we're able to see that. And this is a great point by Ian. This is not electric versus electric or ice versus ice. This is literally putting out a better quality product, regardless of what the energy source is. And we know that with the impetus of climate change being such a forefront conversation piece uh, in countries all around the world, even those that are really greatly affected, there's only so little they can do, but the contributors like China, European countries here in the US. I mean, we're we're certainly the worst of the bunch that are creating this. It's up to us to fix it. So it's good that we're putting out a product that ideally is competitive in any kind of transportation market there is, whether you're looking at semi-trucks, you're looking at pickup trucks something coming soon. I mean, we're we're creating vehicles now that are designed to just be not just environmentally sound, but also just extremely fun to own. I mean, you ask any Tesla owner anywhere, just go like how much you love driving your car. And so many <laughs> of us will, will all say like, we'll just take the car out because we can take the car out. We don't have to go anywhere. We just want to get in the car and drive. And then, you know, you come in and you play with the Easter eggs. You're like, oh my God, we have Atari games. Now our cart can be flatulent and, you know, all kinds of just cool stuff. <laughs> it's all great and fun. But the thrill of driving these cars is also why it's a better product. So there's very, so much to say about it. And, and you know, we're again, we're, we're passionate for a reason because we, we stand behind the brand and we're owners, too. But, yeah, I mean, you ask a number of people that I mean, I have friends of mine that sit in my car and like, God, this is an incredible car. I'm like, yes, yes, it, yes, is. it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> the word that I like to use is one that I've stolen from Elon compelling. 
It's a compelling product. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's the end of the news that we want to discuss this week because we've got <laughs> so many questions. Um, I think it's time to jump into the Q and A. Uh, do you guys want to make any uh, any last minute comments before we jump in here? Because um, you know, when, the, when it comes to the comments, uh, we try to answer as many as we possibly can. We get mm -hmm. actually more than we can normally answer, but you guys are welcome to jump in on any other ones. So, any last minute comments? We get in. I, uh, Thanks, I yeah. Well, yes. Oh, you had a book you. review. I did. Well, maybe, you know what? We have so many questions this week. I don't want to take up too much time with okay, that. Okay, please. Okay. So uh, we'll, we'll push that off to next week. I, uh, oh, okay. I uh, got uh, insane mode here oh. from uh, Hamish McKenzie, oh. which is a, a fascinating read, and I'll, I will give you all the details on it. So it'll be a teaser for next week. Oh, okay. Um, let's do that, because I really want to focus. We did get a huge ton of questions. The only thing I'm just going to um, quickly, because I don't think we covered it, and we, we talked about it in the list um, prior to going uh, live. Did I miss something? Was well, no, just how the price cut might affect Canada. We did get a number of questions about that, so we could cover it as the first question if you prefer. But I think uh, the, yeah, the two let's, Canadians let's on do board. That. Yeah, um, because uh, well, let's let's put it at the top here because the first question sure. actually comes from Yannick Le Tourneau, and he says, "Will the U.S. price drop percolate to other countries, Canada, for instance?" So let's answer that first one. I know you and Ian, uh, you and I had this conversation a couple of days ago. Um, it can go a couple different ways, um, because. If you haven't been paying attention, um, Tesla av um, announced the Canadian pricing for the Model 3 last year starting at uh, uh, $45,600, right? Correct. Now, at current exchange rates, because the dollar has not been favorable to us, so the exchange rate has been increasing. If we use the same exchange rate right now, because I plugged it in, uh, it's almost $2,000 more. So... Um, Personally, I think what Tesla is probably going to be doing based on prior history, because the last time we saw a price increase was last year when Tesla bundled the premium upgrade into all the S's and the X's. Now, they increased the price $2,500 US, uh, whereas before it was, I think it was around $5,000 or, or something like that. And we did see an immediate price change that went across the board. In the case of the Model 3, yes, on January 1st, they did increase to 2000 bucks. actually any S, X, or 3. And we've yet to see those price changes happen in Canada. So my personal opinion, personal opinion, I think what's happening here is that we're actually due for a price increase because of the exchange rate. But in lieu of that, what Tesla is probably doing here is that they're holding the pricing um, you know, where it is right now. Instead of giving us a price increase, instead of passing along the savings, that they're, at the end of the day, it's probably just a wash anyways. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Uh, when Canadian pricing was made official, when in May, uh, April, late April, early May, when the cars went on sale, uh, it was pretty much a, a 1.3 exchange, which... 1.29 uh, something, something, one, something. Exactly. But I mean, it was almost to the penny when, when they announced the pricing here. It worked out to what the difference in the exchange rate is. And now we're fluctuating between 135 and 136. So we're talking, you know... It's it's been five to six points that it's gone up that Tesla's had to absorb. So this sort of gets them back in the ballpark. You know, that's approximately what the discount wound up being in the U.S. About four percent, I would say. I guess yeah. on a on a mid range. I actually Model 3. before the podcast began, I actually went in and had a quick look. See, the mid range um, Model Three right now selling a Canadian at uh, sixty thousand one hundred dollars, which is on par with the forty four thousand dollar U.S. base price, the adjusted price right now at the current exchange rate. Yep. Long range uh, price is uh, sixty nine thousand four hundred dollars, which hasn't changed, and neither has the performance Model Three. So, if there's any price changes going to happen, it would be largely in the high end because that's where the margins can be absorbed on these cars. 
So I think personally, um, you know, I don't think we're going to see any price changes on those right now because of the exchange rate. I mean, I could be wrong. It could change in the future. Um, and it does not bode well uh, as far as I'm concerned with the base price of the of the of the Model Three in the U.S. because at the current exchange rate now coming in at forty-seven two. I don't know if they can still sneak it in. I think a lot of people are going to be, you know, I've always said to people, there's no such thing as a thirty-five thousand dollar car because you got to pay for delivery. You know, the minute you add a paint, it's thirteen hundred bucks or whatever the price is, right? So Tesla's really counting on you, you know, throwing in some options on there. So yeah, it's not like people are not going to be able to buy a thirty-five thousand dollar car, but you got to budget for some of the incidentals. Um, so yeah, it's it's still a fabled car, and I do believe that it's probably going to be coming. I mean, this is one of the questions we got a little bit later, of course, is when do we expect to see that? I really don't think we're going to see the standard range Model Three until probably the second quarter, late in the second quarter, possibly even into the second half of twenty nineteen. Um, and someone else was also asking, I think earlier, uh, do you think that they will produce the $35,000 car right off the bat? And I kind of agree with what Ryan McCaffrey said on his last podcast, that there's a distinct possibility that Tesla may introduce the 35,000 or the standard range car should say, but keep the premium interior. So you'll still be obligated to buy the $5,000 upgrade and then eventually maybe get rid of it and then go to the lowest, uh, you know, the, the actual base price of $35,000. I mean, that's just a personal opinion. Who knows? But based on how Tesla does things, they always start at the high end and they generally chip their way down to the lower configurations in due time. Who knows? I mean, maybe they do have the margins that can actually produce it. Uh, but it would not surprise me that they actually go that route when the time comes. So, Well, so, until they can increase the production capacity, I, I think you're right. Because if they can sell absolutely every single higher margin car... Until then, you know, why would you? I mean, it, it's, I know it's frustrating as hell for everybody who's wait, <laughs> waiting for the base-based version. I mean, I feel your pain. But uh, looking at it from a company health standpoint, you know, to keep them rolling and to keep, you know, in order for them to have the money so that they can cap, you know, put the cap into building more production capacity in all these locations. I mean, that's, it kind of, as a business plan, makes a hell of a lot more sense to keep selling the high-priced cars as long as you can. And then finally get out the base, base, base guy. I mean, I'm for sure they're going to build it at some point. I have no doubt about that. I mean, the website now says, what, four to six months away, I think yeah. is what it's predicting. So hopefully that stays true, but um, we shall see. I mean, it's also, it's also a cost factor. I mean, Elon talked about late last year that the $35,000 car would cost $38,000 to make. So you would lose $3,000 in every car. So whether it's resource availability, whether it's part access, I mean, whatever it is, it's keeping the cost higher than what it needs to be. Yeah, in due part, you want to produce higher cost vehicles so you kind of increase your market cap. But at the same time, it's about also making sure you're not losing money on every single car you produce. So I think until the costs come down, which I think might mostly be related to the battery and the technology associated with the vehicle, until those costs come down, it's going to be a little bit before we're seeing a $35,000 car on the market. Yeah, I think so too. And I don't think they're in any hurry right now. If you think about all the cars they're due now shipping over to Europe and all these other locations, um, and then on top of that, they have other levers to pull so they can do a lease program at some point, which might snag yeah. some of those people who wanted the cheap mm -hmm. car. Yeah. So I definitely think, I think the leasing thing is, is, is going to happen sometime this yeah. year. Fine Lab has aligned protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. 
FineLab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at FineLab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. FineLab and Tesla, we were meant for each other. Actually, which brings us to the next question. Of course, it kind of ties in here because um, uh, Twitter follower uh, Tom Zam, uh, Van Zumeren says, when do you think the mid-range Model 3 comes to Europe, if at all? Um, and there's been a lot of discussion about this. I think right now, my personal opinion is based on how they do the SNX because the SNX only really have two battery pack sizes. I think the mid-range Model 3 is just a stopgap until the actual standard range car comes. It's just a way of getting the price down just to generate some more demand until they're actually ready. So it could go both ways in Europe. They may, um, if they can't get the standard range ready for European market by the time things come around later this year, um, they could introduce a, a limited run of uh, mid-range cars into Europe. But if they can actually bring it online and they can sell every one of the performance Model 3s or the long range or even, um, well, because just the long range and the uh, and the performance cars are available in Europe at this point, that... Uh, it may not show its head at all. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me that they actually discontinue it in the U.S. eventually once the standard range comes out. And they say, well, we don't need three variants of the car. We only really need two. Because at the end yeah, of the that's... day, if you if you look at the cost spread of the car and the range, it just why would you introduce a third one in there? It, it, I don't think you need to have that much spaghetti thrown at the wall, personally. Yeah, it's, cer it's certainly like we know the battery pack for the mid-range model is the same as the long-range model, just with fewer cells in it. So from a cost perspective, it's not a big deal for them to make the pack. And, you know, they could inevitably just say, okay, once the standard range model's ready to go online, it'll just change the design studio and all of a sudden there's no mid-range anymore. But, I mean, there was a, the first of all, the mid-range model was a surprise here in the U.S. I mean, people just did not see that model coming. Uh, and secondly, since the, the EU is just getting their orders and deliveries for uh, their Model 3s and the long-range variant, I would sort of align with you, Trevor, that I think it's going to be by the time the amount of... The amount of time it took for the mid-range model to appear in the U.S. once delivery started uh, in 2017 uh, for the Model 3, I think that by that point in the in Europe, we're going to see probably the uh, like we might even see the right the right side cars come the online right first drive, before yeah. we see it right before we even see the um, a change in the battery pack. So uh, I mean, time will tell what how that goes, but I, I I sort of think the way you do, which is there may only be the one battery for a while until the standard range is available. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, uh, continuing on with questions from Europe, and we certainly got a lot of them tonight. Uh, a Twitter follower named Roadster2021 asks, can I buy 18-inch wheels in Europe after delivery for the P3D? They say the 20-inch comes from default. Uh, Ian, you had something to say about this. I saw it on Twitter, but you might as well answer him here too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I did. I answered. I, I tried to knock off a few of them just in case we didn't get to them all in the show, and I talked about this one. You certainly can fit 18-inch wheels on... Um, the performance model three with the upgrade brakes. I have that on my car as we speak. Um, my fast wheels FCO four. Oh, plug. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll allow this. All right. But uh, there's, there's quite a few other companies that are making uh, some, a T sport line, of course, being a big one has a beautiful 18 inch wheel for the car. They are a forum sponsor. So we got to give them a plug too. Yes. Yes. Glad to do it. And uh, what's interesting is I've had this question on the forum from a few people in Europe. And right now we don't really have any answers because one of the, there's two problems. It's, can you get a wheel that's got the right uh, dimensions to fit over the performance upgrade brakes? That in and of itself is not too terribly hard. You know, a decent designed wheel can fit, 
you know, we've proven it. There's there's quite a few choices. The other problem you're going to have, though, is there's that crazy step on the hub, uh, which seems to be some strange artifact of a last-minute conversion to the thinner two-piece rotors, which leaves this little goofy hub. Now, I won't go into ad, ad nauseum on how that works, but if you go back through the... Um, uh, videos on the website, you'll see. I'm trying back to pull it up right now. <laughs> yeah, it, or try to just throw a link on it at the end. Yeah, I, I will. But we, it, uh, it's a little misleading because we called the video like, "How fast can a performance model three go?" I know we should have said "How quick." It's okay. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, the, the, part of the part of the video we talked about the challenges of fitting aftermarket wheels to the cars, and because it's got the step tub, you need a machined wheel that can accommodate that bizarre hub design. So go have a look at the video. You'll, I'll explain it in there and you can, you can see what's going on. So we need some European suppliers to step up and start providing these wheels in Europe. I mean, uh, hopefully they're, they're tuned into this and they're, cause I've got the question many, many times. And it isn't just if you want to do 18 inch wheels, if you want any different wheel for the car other than a Tesla wheel, you're going to run into this problem. So you either have to use a spacer or you need the specially machined wheels. Ah, oh, there we go. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's, those are the two things. So yeah, the size of itself, not a problem. You should be able to find it, but you're going to have to deal with this step in the hub, which is really the trickier thing. So, um, watch the video. I, I think that should cover it. And hopefully somebody in Europe is going to glom onto this and start offering or worst case order something in from North America. It's just the shipping is going to be prohibitive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, moving on. We got some more questions from Europe. Uh, another tweet follower here. So, uh, his username is Tweet2012. What do you guys think about this? European Model 3 also has a CCS port. Well, it doesn't also has. It actually has a CCS port. If I charge on a regular basis up to two times a week at a 50 kilowatt charging station, what will my battery uh, would my battery degrade significantly faster compared to charging it with the UMC? Yes. The answer is yes. Um, but um, <laughs> everything is... 50 is not too horrible. Well, that's the thing. Everything is relative, right? Because even though it's advertised at 50 kilowatt, you're not going to get 50 kilowatt. In theory, most people usually get about 48. Most times it's actually lower than that. Just like the superchargers, they say they're rated 125. You don't get 125. Model 3 can certainly do 117, 118. Um, 121, baby. I saw 121. Yeah, well, it's pretty, you're getting pretty close. Um, doing that on a regular basis is not good for the battery. Matter of fact, even if you only charge to 90% or even 50 or 60%, whatever, if you keep doing that too much, Tesla will eventually throttle you, especially during the warranty period. <laughs> because they're on the hook. If you damage that battery, they're the guys that are <laughs> they're on the hook for that. So they're going to artificially limit you. So yeah, it's not a good idea to do... Uh, fast charging all the time. But at lower rates, you might be able to get away with it a little bit. Um, the thing you have to remember, there's companies like Tesloop. They've been doing this for years. They have been doing uh, uh, superchargers uh, charge to 100%. Uh, not really recommended. I don't know how much throttle they've been getting. They've been getting excellent um, uh, mileage on their cars in the sense, I think the Model X got 350,000 miles already, something like that. So, I mean, you know, you roll the dice a little bit, but uh, generally, uh, high-speed charging on a regular basis, especially high rates of supercharging, is actually not good for the battery. You will get some degradation. Degradation is a normal thing. Uh, you will see this, um, you know, anecdotally. We have six years worth of data now, and I think on average it's five to six percent um, over that time. Uh, the chemistry, as it settles, just so you know, is more pronounced at the start, and then after that, it starts a very long, long, long 
slow degradation. At some point, the voltage can't hold anymore, and it'll probably just drop off. Uh, but that's many years in the future. So generally, don't worry about it too much, but uh, it's not a good idea to supercharge all the time if you're really, really worried about degradation. But more significantly, I'd be more worried about Tesla throttling you if you keep doing it too much. So obviously, on a, on a, on a uh, Chatamo or a CCS that's not Tesla, uh, you may not be able to... Uh, uh, it may not be able to be throttling you at that point, but uh, who knows? So hope that answers that question. Speaking of which, um, you want to move on to Desert Runner's question? Yeah, it I'm sort of ties here. in. Yeah, exactly. So Desert Runner says, uh, any idea on the best rate to charge your Tesla for battery longevity? I have a Tesla home charger capable 48 amps, but only use 24, taking twice as long. Tesla discourages 100%, 120 kilowatt char uh, supercharging, but seems okay with urban supercharger 74. Not sure if less is better. Um. Ian, you want to talk about? That? I have my own opinions, but it can't all be about me. So, okay. Well, I, I don't know what your opinion is, but I cannot possibly think that the difference between twenty-four and forty-eight amp is is going to be a big deal. You're talking six kilowatts versus eleven. I mean, that's yeah, it's barely nothing. it's nothing compared to supercharging. And I would strongly encourage you to go forty-eight amps for the simple reason Agreed. it'll cost you less money. Uh, the higher amperage rate, the faster you charge the car, uh, the less losses there are. So you, you, it actually, you'll save another 5%, 10% on your electricity bill Absolutely. just by charging the car at the higher rate. So I would say go for it, Trev. I don't know what your opinion is, but that's where I I'm agree at. with you 100%. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and the fact that charging at a faster rate means that you spend less time and less energy, it actually does cost you less. A lot of people don't yep. even seem to, they don't even think about that metric, but you, all you have to do is look at it on paper. If you can double your charge rate or increase it 25%, you're, gonna, you're actually going to spend less. Um, it's yeah, also it's, I, I just want to say, I know the math sounds weird and the mathematicians are going to come back and say, well, wait a second, if it's twice as long at half the rate, isn't it the same amount of current? Aha. But there's certain fixed losses in the system, uh, thermal losses that happen while you're charging uh, that uh, I don't. Don't drill me on that because I can't go too far into the details, but I've read a few things on it. And it, it How tended dare to... you, sir? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not the expert on this, but it was pretty convincing to me the way it was argued that uh, charging faster, you, there's certain fixed losses that you can overcome. So for every X number of hours you're charging, there's a certain amount of loss that you're incurring no matter what. So the faster you get it over with, the less these parasitic losses uh, are uh, are affecting or, or, or you're paying for, let's say. That's that's about as technical as I can get on it. Okay. My apologies. All right. Well, I hope that answers your question. Let's move on. We've got so many to get through here. Uh, Derek Fester asks, thoughts on Chatamo adapter coming to Model 3, or will Tesla just start putting Chatamo plug on their Model 3? So the answer is no. They're not going to put Chatamo on the Model 3. The Chatamo adapter is in the parts list for the Model 3, and I've been told internally that they will still do it. It's just a matter of priorities. So you either want bug fixes on version 9 of your software, or do you want Chatamo adapter? Take your pick. How hard could it be, really? Yeah. I've been told it's just priorities. They only have finite resources that can dedicate to certain things, and it's just not on the priority list. It will wow. get done. It's just not a priority at the moment. It just doesn't right. make sense to advertise, to put the bloody Chatamo adapter into the Model 3 parts list. And Yeah, uh, now you're just messing with us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right? So, uh, no, I have a feeling it's, it's definitely coming. It's just a matter of priority at this point. Right now, the supercharging network is still growing, um, you know, most places in the U.S., um, you know, you can get places. Um, it, it's not to say that it's not, it wouldn't be a welcome thing. Of course, you know, Ian being in Quebec, there are times when you don't have a supercharger if you go out in the boonies. Yeah. You have to have something for Chatamo. I'd I agree love with you 100% on that for sure. So, all right, let's, uh, we're kind of jumping around here because now they're out of order. So, <laughs> uh oh. Um, okay, uh, Bob Zarensky, um, uh, Zarunki, sorry, 
I apologize, Bob. Um, on a serious note, perhaps you can address ways to mitigate salt corrosion on the undercarriage in northern winter climates. I expect salt and other de-icing chemicals to have serious effect on the battery housing after a few years. Yes, this is a valid concern for sure. Um, the underside of the Model 3 is largely covered by panels. You have felt lining inside the wheel wells. Um, the, the places that are really exposed on the Model 3 is kind of like the areas where the suspension is at the back and the front. Um, there have been, uh, there's someone on the forum and I forget, and if I find the link, I'll put it in the video, um, uh, in the podcast description, in the video description of a gentleman in Quebec who actually tore apart most of the back end and uh, had it completely undercoated. Um, so you can undercoat these cars. Uh, Tesla doesn't say whether you should or shouldn't, but I have spoken to a body shop that does authorized repairs for Tesla here in the Toronto area, and they said they don't have a problem with it. The only thing they say is that if you take it to one of these places, do not let them drill anywhere in that car. The, the cylinder metals, <laughs> if they come into contact with each other through shavings, can actually promote corrosion. So yeah, you'll be sorry. Yeah, you'll be. Uh, and I saw someone on the forum. I think it was on the forum or on Facebook. I forget what it was. He even went to um, a place where he had not only had the car ceramic coated on the outside, but it had all the suspension and the motors and everything ceramic coated. So, <laughs> oh my God, are you yeah, serious? Yeah, yeah. Well, so hmm. <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> a little over the top. Good for yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> there are some problem areas in the Model Three as far as um, uh, buildup of sand and salt, uh, because we use a lot of sand and salt on the roads, of course. Um, there are some areas that it tends to build up that, that belly plate on the bottom of the back of the car that, you know, it tends to accumulate in there. Um, you know, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea in the springtime to maybe get the car up on a lift or, and just pop that off and clean it out. Maybe drill a couple holes for some water egress to get out or something. Uh, probably wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, I took the front out of the front of my model X back this spring of 2018 after I went through a whole winter. Um, spent some time cleaning it up. I mean, the front comes apart so easily on these cars. I mean, it only takes five minutes to take it apart. Um, that is, that's going to be a, a usual maintenance routine that I'm going to do to my car. I might even pull the belly pan off the back um, uh, in the spring just to have a look at the rear end and, and just generally just give it a, a bit of a cleaning. So yes, it's a valid concern. Uh, you can certainly do undercoating if you like to, but um, just, just don't drill. Okay. <laughs> you want, you want to hear no a drill. scary stat? Please do. So uh, the amount of salt on roads, I mean, it, it started in the last like 50 some odd years we've been doing it. There are, and the number varies per year in the US, but on average, 10 times more salt put on roads during winter than there is in all processed foods in one year. <laughs> yeah, in Quebec, and it's you, probably a hundred times. You, <laughs> if you think about how much ramen noodle soup is made, like to <laughs> even think for a second, that, but yeah, 10, time, 10 times more salt is put on the roads than there is in our food in the course of a calendar year in the Dude, United States. You know how many tons I could harvest just off my garage floor in the average winter? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. I actually oh, yeah. had my garage door open and I saw little tendrils of, of salt has this, it crystallizes, right? And it grows. Mm -hmm. I've got it all over my floor. Anyways, interesting. Anecdotal. All right, moving on. We got some more stuff. Uh, Michael Rice. Uh, Marco Reese. I'm sorry, man. I can't. Even I got my glasses on. I still can't read these names. I'm sorry. I apologize. Trevor's um, wrong. Don't worry about <laughs> Trevor's it. Trevor's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he asks, um, are the newly announced Model Three forged wheels in the referral program a new set of wheels for the Model Three, or the same 20 inch wheels that the Model Three Performance comes with? Any pictures? So the answer is no pictures. Don't know. Um, I personally, I have an opinion on this. I, I would hope that they follow what they did with the model S and offer a unique wheel design. Cause on the model S you got these arachnid wheels. They look really cool, but they did say they were performance wheels. 
So yeah. I don't know. Any thoughts on this? I mean, do you think they're just going to take the performance wheel for the Performance Model 3 and just say, here you go, here's your reward? Well, my first thing is I searched high and low today uh, in the referral program details looking for this because I know they were announced when? On the 23rd or 24th of December. This has only been out a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And I cannot find the exact reference to it. But uh, if if Marco's quote is correct, and I have to think it is because I've seen some forum uh, members quote the exact same thing. If they're saying it's a forged wheel, it cannot be the wheel that comes standard on the performance car because that wheel is flow formed. Uh, again, ah, as I mentioned in the video. Yeah. Now... Okay, we can get into semantics because uh, some of our factories refer to flow-formed wheels as rotary forging because it is a type of forging. You're using basically these hydraulic rollers to, to form the barrel of the wheel, sort of like a clay pottery type of, type of move. But it's only the barrel section which receives this cold forging. Well, it's not really cold forging. It's a slightly warm forging treatment. Well, do you think it's, it, just, it's just the confusion of terms rather than being very precise about what they're saying? I would think no. I, I if if Tesla actually calls it a forged wheel, I have to think it's a fully forged wheel, like the Arachnid is. That's mm. the real deal. That yeah. the entire thing is like pressure formed. So if that's what they're talking about, it, it's going to be a unique wheel. I don't see why it would look the same. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be unique too. That word forged there, and and also with the time frame. If it's just performance wheels, why is it? Why do we have to wait till next summer? Is that? Yeah, it seems to me like maybe it's a new product. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, if it was off the shelf, you're absolutely right, Earl. Yeah. That that doesn't make any sense. Do you think it could be um, this 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 wheel? Remember this? Ooh, remember this I wheel? I like that. I think my car needs that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Elon hinted because people have been pestering him since day one about that wheel, and didn't he at some point tweet something like coming or he did later say that or... they were going to do yeah. it. Yeah. So you might be right. That could. That could be it. That's a pretty hot wheel. I like that. That was pretty cool. And it would, it would lend itself to forging. Yeah. Because that would, otherwise, that would be a very heavy design. I can mm -hmm. tell you just from looking at it, but forging would make it. Uh, they did patent the, 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 the design. Yes. They do have a patent yeah. on it. So. Oh, yes. We checked that like day one. <laughs> By the way, if you're listening to this podcast, we're showing a photograph. You're going to have to go to YouTube to find it. Because, again, we're bad at discerning between yeah. this is an audio medium versus a visual medium. Yes, I so, apologize for knows? that. Yes, you should be watching the YouTube channel. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But just, yeah. just... Oh, by the way, Ian, I want to tell you, I love your knowledge. I learn something from you every time we do this show. I don't know if you know any other subject matter as much as you know wheels, but damn it, man, I wish I knew anything as much as you know wheels. <laughs> you know plenty. I've just been working in this my entire life. It's the only reason I know something about it. It's, it's like if you're, it's like when you're you're in your mother's womb and they're playing audio tapes to understand language, and your mom just playing things about wheels <laughs> would explain a lot. Well, it's it's funny that I was ever able to convert to electric car. You know how I was put to sleep as a child. My my dad had a nineteen. 68 Pontiac Firebird with the HO 326 V8 in this thing. And when I was like completely unruly and wouldn't go to sleep, they'd park me outside and the thing fired up and blah, 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 blah. And, <laughs> and 30 seconds flat, I was gone. It's so. funny you mentioned that because my dad, I mean, I remember as a kid, we had a, a 68 um, uh, Ford Mustang with the uh, Naga Hyde back seats. And of course, you'd sit on those things in the summertime in your shorts and burn your legs off. <laughs> Lots of fun. It was fun. all part mm -hmm. of the fun. Like I imagine Ian's first word was like, Michelin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's possible. Possible. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, moving on. Next question comes from Christian. Does it make sense to buy a Model S or an X now or wait for the interior refresh? Well, I think that's a personal... Buy, buy it now. Yeah, I'm I'm agree with that. I mean, there's something to be said for Tesla's current design, which is simplicity. Um, I mean, look, the interior, other than color, 
hasn't really changed all that much in six years. And you, and I see, all, I mean, I take a lot of people for rides in my car and I look at it and they look at the interior and they go, this thing looks like a spaceship. So if the general public is seeing that and saying that, I don't think there's anything wrong with the current design. Um, for us that's been in the industry for a long time, we've been watching Tesla. Yeah, the interior is getting a little long in the tooth in terms of, yeah, it'd be nice to get an update and stuff like that. And we mm -hmm. do know that, uh, you know, it's going to happen eventually. It's just a matter of when. So if it bothers you, meh, wait. If not, buy the car. It's great. You're still going to get software updates. You're going to get, uh, you know, all that fun stuff. So. Yeah, there, there are a few, here, here are my additions to that. So for one thing, we know there's been changes to the interior for time. Like the first Model S did not have a center console. I mean, there's there's been yeah, little have changes to that. The MCU is new in the models being produced nowadays. So there are some changes. They're just not just largely noticeable in most cases. That's the first thing. The second thing is that, and and ideally for myself, who's very big on the environment, the sooner you get your ice car off the road and you go electric, the better for the environment it is. So if you're waiting for a refresh, which could get the, I mean, we don't know. I mean, we've certainly have heard rumors that it might be later this year in Q3. That could get bumped depending on production stuff or supplies Absolutely. or, you know, who they're working with their <laughs> vendors. So, I mean, look, there's no there's no assurance you're going to be able to get a refresh model this year. So, with all that being said, between the federal tax credit, between uh, maybe some state and local incentives you might have in certain areas of the country, I think it's up to $4,000 in some cases. Uh, I mean, you're, you're better served buying the vehicle as soon as you possibly can. Plus, if you're looking to trade a vehicle, as long as you continue owning the existing vehicle, it's going to continue losing value the longer you have it. So the cheapest you're going to get your car is today. Uh, so that's that's just my two cents on it. But uh, if you're looking to go electric, the sooner the better, in my mind, for for all parties involved. Yeah, I'm in yeah. the same camp. And if you think about it's it's almost impossible to kind of predict what Tesla is going to do in the future when mm -hmm. they're going to update things. Um, and they have so much on their plate right now with possibly, you know, Model Y, Semi, all the, you know, the China factory and everything is that would the refresh get pushed off? Will they do it sooner? We have no idea. So, yeah. well, you know, we also have an adage on the show, which, uh, which is what Tesla giveth, Tesla will taketh. So, <laughs> you know, you can also expect a price increase or price change when and if the time right. comes. So exactly. if you're price sensitive, uh, jump in now. <laughs> yes. They'll update the interior the day after that guy gets his car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whenever that is. <laughs> uh, all right. We have a question from my buddy Moss. He says, hey, Trev. Well, I don't know why he addresses it to me. But anyways, uh, just wondering, um, anybody else experiencing Model 3 hot to touch on road trips? Just getting back from Cleveland, my girlfriend repeatedly noticed that the screen from both in the back and the front got also almost uncomfortable to touch. Um, of course, I don't First have a Model question, 3. Did you so have it did you have it in romance mode? <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, on fire. Um, well, I don't have a Model 3, so I'm not qualified to answer that. I will say there are electronics in there. They do generate heat. It depends, of course, uh, how much of a backlight you've got going on. Um, have any of you guys noticed any issues? Yes. Okay. Um, I've noticed yeah, it. seriously? But, yeah, so it's, it's not significant. So part of it, again... I live in a climate where it's oh. obviously a lot warmer nowadays. Mm -hmm. So um, so I'm going to attribute to part of the problem being that my vehicle sometimes has a large amount of time in the sun and the outside temperature could be in the 80s, which means the interior temperature of the car in some cases is well over 130 degrees. 
So that's that's right. It certainly is part of the problem. Now, my vehicle is not tinted. I only have the tinting that came with the factory glass on yeah. the roof of the car. I have not gotten the rest of the vehicle tinted yet. Um, but even if I did, the you know because of the ASM on the front window, you can only tint the top strip. You couldn't even tint the front windshield anyway. So the computer screen largely is going to get exposure to direct sunlight. Now, I know there are some people that I've seen in parking lots have tried to put a cover uh, of some kind, a t-shirt or something else. They just try mm. to cover the screen to kind of allow the screen to not get direct sunlight. That might help. Um, if you certainly have your car plugged in, I would say go ahead. And we've mentioned this with people who live in the cold climates, can preconditioning your vehicle. So if you do live in a colder climate and your car is plugged in, go ahead and precondition it for a bit so it gets that cooler temperature. That will also help to get the screen to be a little bit cooler. But in I have, I've had my car now for uh, about nine months. I would say in those nine months, maybe about six to seven times the screen's been hot to the touch on the front end but if i touch the back i could feel it's a little bit warmer too so it could be a variety of different conditions but in most cases it's larger because of the fact that the vehicle's interior is very hot and the sunlight is affecting the temperature of the screen hmm. i'm intrigued by the um, the opening in the question though it says uh, hot to touch on road trips that suggests after they've been driving for a few hours and i would yeah that's what i, I would expect that you know that the temperature would be kind of cool now maybe to your point eric if they started out with the screen hot and then it's continued use it never really cools off it just sort of gains mm -hmm. you know um some uh, it gains heat as it goes but anyway i'll be glad to test this out because in a few weeks i'm going to be driving this baby 31 hours straight so we'll see how hot <laughs> that screen gets and i will report back okay good well, Moss, I hope that answers that. Let's move on. Uh, next question comes from John Rapillo. He says, it, uh, it would be convenient to end a phone call by pressing the right thumb wheel on the steering wheel. It's distracting to have to momentarily look and press the button on the screen. Could this be done by a download? Yeah, anything's fixable via software update. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, if there's anything that's bugging you or you'd like a feature or something like that, press the voice command button and say bug report and very quickly tell them what you want. Um, I agree. Uh, you know, the Model 3 has four less buttons on the steering wheel than, uh, well, it's not entirely true because you do have the scroll wheels that go sideways. Um, on mine, of course, I have a button I can press and I can configure the right-hand side of the screen so I can control the phone and stuff like that. On the Model 3, of course, it's mostly done via the touchscreen. So I would agree with that. I think that's a, a good suggestion. So if that's something you want to, uh, uh, to give to Tesla, use the bug report feature and send it off to Tesla. So the more the merrier. Or if you're really lucky, if you catch uh, Elon tweeting on a Sunday, hit him up with it. That's sometimes the best way to get something across. There you go. Yeah. And keep doing it too. Yes. Yep. You keep. Yes. Don't stop. Right. What are we still waiting for, Earl? Oh, those uh, folding mirrors. Yeah, exactly. That are coming, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. We're still waiting on that one. He uh, did. He did, at least did say to somebody that, that they're like, oh, yeah, we'll go ahead and do that. Oh, yeah. And no problem. Like, why I'm sure, yeah, I've been tweeting that for six years. <laughs> Remember, there is such a thing as Elon time. It exists for a reason. That's yep. true. <clears throat> All right, next question comes from Anthony. Is there a log that we can access uh, access on uh, any, any model that will show you the amount of uh, charge time as well as how many kilowatt hours used while charging during any specific charge? This will be helpful to figure out cost of charging on a daily basis. Absolutely, yes. There's two of them I can recommend. Uh, one of them is a website called TeslaFi, that's T-E-S-L-A-F-I.com. Uh, it costs $5 a month, or you can pay for a year at 60 bucks, and um, it allows you to log into your Tesla account through a token. It's a one-time affair, and uh, it will give you all kinds of really cool stuff on your, it tracks, you know, your, your driving, it shows everything on the map, it shows you how long you charge, how much you used, so that's one way to do it. There used to be an app, and it's still out there, but I haven't used it in a long time. It was called uh, Visual Tesla. It's a Java app. 
just Google it. And um, I think it works better on Windows. I'm on a Mac. Uh, yeah, Java's kind of crappy on a Mac anyways. Um, and that one allows you to log in through the car as well, and you can look at the cells and so on and so forth. But I, honestly, I think Testify is the better one because now it's mobile. You can get it anywhere, and it tracks, I think, a lot more data. So that would be my recommendation. So once again, teslafi.com. So check that out. Sounds like an ad, but it's not. <laughs> um, and, uh, have you guys known of any others? Those are the two that I can think of. Nothing comes to mind. No, I think short, short of using an ODB port, uh, OBD port, but that doesn't exist on the Model 3. So, hmm. All right, last question comes from Davin Yang. It says, do you think Tesla will let the non-performance Model 3 turn off traction control uh, turn traction control off like track mode. Uh, sorry, let me start over again because obviously I'm not reading properly. It says, do you think Tesla will let the non-performance Model 3 to turn off traction control like track mode in the performance version just to slide around in the snow? I posit the answer is no. No? I don't, I don't think so. I, th I think track mode is a unique feature and because of the exclusivity to the performance car, I think... Um, you know, that sort of a benefit to getting into a performance car. If you have like, for example, like I have the rear, the rear wheel drive. That's always hard. I have the rear wheel drive. First Model production. 3. It's yeah. I have the, uh, that's not the car I want to go like, you know, sliding <laughs> in the snow with. Um, so, oh, I mean, so we, we, I mean, I, yes, Ian, we know you're a sycophant. Um, <laughs> what, what's interesting. That's sick. Fan, just sick. Well, well, yeah, you're that too. Uh, so the, uh, you know, I will say that for for the videos that Tesla's produced in the past that show that the rear wheel drive first production Model Three can handle snowy conditions, I think that you know traction control that like I know some cars you can certainly turn on and off that thing. I just don't think Tesla's going to do it right now through a software update. They may eventually do that. I just don't think they will for the purpose of driving it like a performance Model Three with track mode. I just don't see it that same way. I could be wrong. It's happened before. Well, it's. I was going to say, um, I'm really, first of all, I, I want to go on record. I've been lobbying for this since day one. I, I want all my Model 3 brothers and sisters to have access to this because it's so kick-ass. Oh, my God, is this car fun <laughs> when you when you go into track mode? And the other thing, too, is it's, you know, like, I, I understand that Tesla was very hesitant at first to disable the electronic stability, the traction control um, stuff because you know this car even even just a, a base model 3 or a base model s has a tremendous amount of torque that's instantly available i mean you can get in some serious trouble if you just turned off all the nannies and go hoop-de-doo with the thing <laughs> but what people fail to appreciate a lot of the time is track mode you're not disabling uh, stability control you're not disabling traction control all that stuff just works the computer is just giving you a little bit more room to work with you know, basically, the guardrails are all still there. They're just widened a little bit. Uh, and I think it does a spectacular job at that. So, you know, if they were genuinely concerned, they could give you a sort of junior version of it for just the rear-wheel drive. On a dual-motor car, though, non-performance, there's no reason in the world they couldn't give you the exact same thing. I'm sorry. There's no excuse. The car is dynamically identical. It doesn't have quite the same level of power, but on snow, it wouldn't make a damn bit of difference. So I, I see no reason why the dual-motor car couldn't get it and why the, the rear-wheel drive couldn't get some variant of it. I, I think, to go back to... Um, to Eric's original point, it could just be an exclusivity thing. This is, you know, to drive more people to pay the money for the car. Hey, it worked with me. I was the idiot that ponied up. You know why? That's what I wanted. I absolutely wanted track mode. So you it's and like, JPS. Yeah, yeah. That's it. How much more money do I have to give you? 
but uh, no, it would be lovely to see them offer it because, you know, the, the bottom line is, and I'll argue this to death, if you buy an Audi right now, a BMW, a Mercedes C-Class, any comparable car, you have that. You And, you know, and it's not nearly as sophisticated. They're just letting you turn it off and go hog wild crazy. I think Tesla's is much safer, much more intelligent and would take nothing but a software update to activate. Guys, get with the program. Match your competitors. Offer this on all versions of the car. It's a matter of priorities, I guess. True. Well, that's why I'm hoping down the road, when they have a little bit more time, they'll they'll do it. I hope well, there's not some philosophical reason why they won't do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you also had brought up to the point, because we were talking a couple of days ago, where you, you feel that the whole you know, uh, pre preconditioned chilling mode, of course, is, it's just not required in these kind of temperatures. Like why are you wasting the extra energy on this? Because, you know, Oh, that's a whole separate rant that I have where it's like, we should have snow track mode, but you know, like that's, that wasn't the question. So I won't, I won't go there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, looks like that's the end of the questions. Let me just double check here one more time here. Um, well, we did have somebody asking about uh, switching Model 3 to European. We actually discussed that a little bit earlier, so we do think that they're going into batches. So I think that's about it. We answered most of the questions. I mean, I mean, the show has been, you know, an hour now. I think most people's attention span is probably gone. So uh, I think we'll just call it an end for this one. <laughs> 2019 is upon us. we got uh, many more months ahead of us and weeks, of course, to discuss a lot of this stuff. Um Less than 30 days, I'm going to be on vacation in Florida. We have some stuff planned for you guys. It's going to be a lot of fun, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, come back every week, and uh, we'll have some more stuff. So let's close out. I'm going to give Earl the um, you know, the benefit of uh, saying what he wants to do and whatever you want to plug before we end the show. Earl, I, I, again, I want to say thank you for coming on. As usual, we'd like to have you again because your input is always, uh, always required. <laughs> Eric. Man, you're just too much. <laughs> it's just, it's funny. That's the problem. Yes. It's funny. <laughs> um, well, Trevor, thank you for having me on again. I love being, I love doing this. Thank you. Um, first of all, I just want to thank our Frunk Puppy board. I don't know if people know that I have that on Twitter, but trying to collect all the pictures, do all the voting and everything. It's more than a one person job. I have a bunch of people helping me out. So thank you to them. Um, also been listening to some fan input and they're looking for some more, uh, you know, uh, creative and different front puppy prizes. So we're working on a whole bunch of things right now. So stay tuned, follow me at, at Frunk puppy or at 28 delays later, and also, um, at Frunk puppy on, uh, Instagram. So thanks again. Thanks for your participation. We really appreciate it. And uh, it, listen, if you guys uh, like what he's doing, um, you know, use his referral code. I'll put it down here in the bottom of the uh, video in the uh, podcast description and stuff. Uh, give Earl some love. He's a great guy, and he likes to go toe-to-toe with the trolls, and that's always a fun thing to watch. It's worth <laughs> it just for that alone, even yeah. if you're not into the front puppy thing. His anti-trolling is How fantastic. you get anything done is beyond me, but it's fun to uh, watch. I'll let you do it. You're either. better at it than I am, that's for sure. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Uh, Eric, what can you uh, say to our followers? What, uh, where can people find you on the internet if they want to chit chat with you? Sure, you guys can find me on Twitter. The handle is ECFIX, that is E C F I X. Uh, feel free to follow, ask questions, tweet at me directly, uh, whatever it be. You can even uh, message me uh, through the app if you want. Uh, I'm usually going to respond within 24 hours, so by all means, uh, feel free to say hi. Great. Thanks very much. And uh, last but not least, Mr. Ian Pavelko, where can people find you on the internet? Hey, don't forget, look look what I'm wearing. Oh, yeah. Look at you guys. Hey. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even See? wearing my own. It's We're shaming so you. We're shaming you. you. As you should. You should. You, you can tell why I don't work for the marketing department of my company. <laughs> 
you can find me on Twitter um, at Ian Pavelko. Um, the um, the nickname is Mad Hungarian, but the actual address is at Ian Pavelko, my real name. And then you have uh, what these gentlemen were kindly displaying, which is my little T-shirt project to raise money for various uh, electric vehicle advocacy orgs. And uh, that would be the company is called Teespring.com. If you go there and you look up. Um, either Mad Hungarian or Evolvewear, Evolvewear, all one word, you can find the uh, traditional model, which is the Evolution shirt with the uh, caveman evolving up through the years into the gas car and finally the electric vehicle. And then there's the new one, which the gents were just modeling for us here, which is the Weapons of Mass Adoption, which is the new collection. So feel free. I love my mug too. I drink my mug all the time. Yes, they're all available as mugs now. You have (laughs) ladies' versions, there's hoodies, there's all sorts of fun stuff. So Awesome. Well, great. Thank you for that. And uh, of course, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm very active on there. The handle's at Model3Owners. And uh, listen, if you're a new person, whatever, check out our forum, Model3Owners Club. That's absolutely the best place on the internet to discuss Model3. We've got, you know, 30,000 members now. It's growing like crazy. Europe is coming online. So if you're in Europe and you want to find out about Model3, get on there because we have some subforums, of course, uh, depending on whatever country you're in. So go crazy. Talk to your local compatriots. Get some groups and some things happening. Uh, also want to say thank you to our sponsors for the show. Evanex, Doolaban Insurance, and Fine Lab Ceramic Coatings. Those guys are awesome. Check out their products. And uh, yeah, thanks for watching and listening uh, wherever you happen to be. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. So oh, uh, good night, a everybody. Quick, quick, a quick reminder yes. uh, make sure you mark your calendars February 3rd. Yes, uh, we, we have something we special alluded- going on. We, yeah. we mentioned this before the holiday break. We're just going to give a reminder now since we're now into January. So we are about a month away from a very special event. We'll have more details in the future. But again, mark your calendars February 3rd, if, especially if you're in the South Florida area. Yes, we have to specify because it's going to be in South Florida. So just uh, I'll have more to say very soon. So thanks for that. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching and listening to wherever you happen to be. And we'll catch you on the next one. See you guys, everybody. Bye. Bonsoir. Bye. Good night. <laughs>